You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Hey, my friends, welcome to American Sex, a podcast dedicated to normalizing conversations about pleasure and alternative sexual expression by challenging those puritanical, backward ass ideals that we have here in the United States. This is episode 162 of American Sex Podcast, and I'm Sunny Megatron. My co host is Ken Melvoin Berg. We're both sexuality educators pleasure advocates, and we are kinky perverts, too, that just so happen to be married non-monogamously to each other. You'll be hearing from Ken in just a few minutes in our interview portion of the podcast, but I want to introduce you to our amazing guests. This week, we're talking religious play with Ariel Aquinas and Danorama. Danorama has spent more than 25 years as a lifestyle dom and the past 22 as a professional presenter, performer, director, and BDSM and sex educator. As a founding member of the Two Naughty Boys Rope Bondage Duo, Dan has co-authored two best-selling rope bondage books. He was also the full-time director of Kink University. Ariel Aquinas is a popular hardcore fetish performer and ethical porn actress who's been thrilling fans since 2008. Best known for her compelling web clips and raunchy fetish collaborations, Ariel is a fan favorite performer who starred in a wide range of porn productions. Both Danorama and Reverend Ariel are legally ordained clergy, and they may be available for officiating should you wish to tie the knot in the future. Their contact information will be in the show notes. So anyway, this conversation, oh my goodness. Okay, taboo as it may be, religious play is no secret, right? Go to any porn site and there are so many hot latex wearing nuns or role plays that start with, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. You know, all of the naughty possibilities of perverting Catholicism with like paying penance or going to confession, it uh, it's endless. So Dan and Ariel explore why this kind of play is so popular how you can engage in it without going the route of sacrilege, why it can be so emotional and bring up real trauma, you know, to the tune of being some serious emotional edge play, and how that's actually healing for a lot of people. Dan and Ariel also get into the ways you can play with religion and specifically Catholicism too, you know, how we can pervert each of the sacraments, what items we can use, whether they're real life religious artifacts that we bring into our scenes or specialty sex items designed with a Jesus-y flair. You know, whether you're a non-believer, a recovering Catholic, or currently steadfast in your faith and want to explore your connection to religion through sexuality without engaging in blasphemy, there is lots in this conversation that you are really going to dig. So real quick, let's wash the balls, which is housekeeping here on American Sex, so we can get right to this conversation. First thing, first order of business, 
Pride Month is here. Happy Pride. You know, so many celebrations this year involve some or all of the festivities being online. So there's LA Kink Pride. If you haven't heard of it, it is all online. And I'm going to be teaching my hot and healthy erotic humiliation class on Sunday, June 13th on behalf of LA Kink Pride via Zoom. And this entire Pride event lasts over a week with awesome online entertainment events and classes every single day. I'll have the link in the show notes. I hope to see you there at like my class, but more events because it's going to be great. I've also got something cool for you. If you haven't heard, we've got a sex positive discord community and it's free. Go to bit.ly bit.ly slash discord ASP. And of course, that link will be in the show notes. If you missed it, we talk about, you know, sex, kink, mental health, lots of off topic stuff. We share recipes with your know, pictures of our cats and our cats, you know, uh, but lots of stuff. It is a really friendly and active community. And we'd love for you to join us. Now, also, there is a new episode of my new podcast called Open Deeply that I co-host with therapist Kate Lurie. It just dropped. So the guest for this episode is the trauma queen herself, Jiminika Eborn. How much I love Jiminika. Um, so how Open Deeply works is each guest has two episodes devoted to them. So the episode that just dropped this week is the first of Jiminika's two episodes. So in the first episode, guests tell their life story, and they focus on the pivotal things that change them. And then in the second episode, we devote that to analyzing the patterns and influences that played a central role in their story. And it's so fascinating. The common thread that's unfolding from each guest stories is just amazing and awe-inspiring. It really shows us that we're all so different on our life paths, but at the same time, so incredibly similar. You can find Open Deeply on your favorite podcasting platform or at opendeeplypodcast.com. And We'd love for you to subscribe because this is a new podcast and tell your friends too. Oh, by the way, speaking of subscribing, are you subscribed to American Sex Podcast? I mean, you're listening to it right now. Go hit that subscribe button. Anyway, that's it. These balls are clean. Balls are washed. We are ready to get on to religious play with Ariel Aquinas and Danorama. We are on the line with Dan and Ariel and I am... Really excited about this conversation for a number of reasons, but you know, it's like that synergy, you know, it's like just when something's synergy. about, oh, I had some synergy. So I saw a TikTok because like my life is scrolling through TikTok at this point, and it was a woman talking about Jesus. And she was like, I was so confused in my life. I had no direction. I couldn't make decisions until I found our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I gave all of decision-making to Him. And now I, I live my life serving Him, and my happiness is serving and letting Him make the decisions. And I was like, lady, you're talking about a DS relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Like, if she didn't say the word Jesus, I'd be like, she's talking about her dom. So that's kind of timely, because uh, we're talking all about Catholicism kink. So I, I think that's where I want to start. Um, to me, 
There's a lot about Catholicism that already seems kind of kinky, including that lady and her TikTok. Uh, am I off base here? Do you, do you all agree? You know, it is completely normal to think that, that there is something really freaky, kinky about Catholicism. And uh, so you're not the first to believe this. And honestly, it's probably why a number of people uh, are, are still in it. I'm not going to make too many assumptions there. But, you know, there's a, there, it's, it's one of the reasons why I am actually so into BDSM is because of my Catholic upbringing. And there is so much about the Catholic faith that is usable or reminiscent of BDSM. I mean, the whole aspects of that, that, punishment and penance is a means for forgiveness and eternal life. And spending an entire hour a week, at least in a room, staring forward at this totally ripped guy in a loincloth up on a cross uh, in, in most places. And all of the rituals involved with it between the incense and the stations of the cross and all of the aesthetics. So between the rituals and the aesthetics and just the general mindset of, of obedience and control and forgiveness and, and, and self-accountability, uh, those are all things that apply very well to BDSM. And that's where I kind of got the idea to do this class with Ariel was that, you know, we both share this great uh, appreciation for the aesthetics of Catholicism and, but goes beyond just the aesthetics. There are so many things that you can pervert into <laughs> making your scenes much more significant. So it's not about just general sacrilege because everybody can go, you know, burn a Bible and like spank someone with the cross. That's all cool and all, but there's so much real content in the church that you can use to make your scenes and your 24-7 relationships much more deep and exciting. And, well, and I think I think that that's like a misconception that a lot of people have about the class is that they, they see Catholicism and kink and they think, oh, it's a sacrilege class. Okay. And we're like, oh, and we're yeah. like no, like, no, because I actually am religious. I'm not Catholic. I'm Protestant. But that's kind of where my interest comes in, in that, you know, all of this stuff was so foreign to me and so like you know interesting to me because we didn't have anything like that in my denomination but it's also not connected to me religiously so there are things that i can do and incorporate in my play and to me it's just play because it doesn't mean anything to me i never had that in my life and in my upbringing but you know but we definitely it's it's not a sacrilege focused class because that's not the kind of play that i would even engage in in my personal life so i think a lot of people are surprised at how we approach the class because they are expecting you know exactly burning bibles and putting a cross in your ass and you know it's not, <laughs> it's not just that we, we got a little bit of that but it's not just that you know i'm so glad you said that ariel because i felt like i was the only outsider not coming from a catholic background i grew up jewish and protestant and although i went to a seminary it was a protestant seminary they were like so uptight. They wouldn't fuck standing up because it might lead to dancing. It was that uptight. <laughs> and to be honest, Catholics scared the hell out of me when I was a little kid because some of my friends were Roman Catholic. They brought me to church with them. And the first thing that they talked about and coming at this from a, from a Jewish Protestant perspective, when they talked about eating the flesh of Christ and drinking blood, I swear to Christ, I thought that they were 
like zombie worshipers. I didn't know what was happening. I was a little bit younger, but then I got into it and I found out, oh, this is transubstantiation and there's all these great things and there's all this, you know, ritual and the frankincense and all of the stuff. And I stopped being worried that they were going to eat me like zombies. I really did think it was like walking dead. And now <laughs> it's, you know, just from being in BDSM so long, it's sort of the default for most religious play, it seems. Right. And I think one of the reasons for that is just because Catholicism, I hate to say it, being being a growing up Catholic and still being a recovering Catholic myself and still having, I'm actually still quite uh, embraced in the faith. Uh, but the specifics of a lot of the a lot of the trappings of Catholicism are like a an easy target for people to use in um in both mockery and also to be transgressional this is why you see it so much in in media and music and in BDSM uh, because it seems to be fair game for appropriation and uh you know it's it's one of the things you can feel good about appropriating um uh nowadays because it's it's not um uh it it is it is not uh appropriate to appropriate anything that is not such an aggressive oppressive thing like catholicism uh -huh. and yet there are so many cool things about it that uh, once you get into it, even in the mocking side of it, it can, there, there are reasons why there are rituals in the Catholic Church. It's because they work. And these, the same reason that it works in the Mass are a lot of the same reasons these sacraments and these rituals and these, uh, even the attire can work for you. Yeah. And so that's a lot of what we talk about. And Ooh. like Ariel said, it's not, uh, it's surprisingly not sacrilegious. Yeah, see, that surprises me still. Like, I'm still kind of hung up on that. So I want y'all to address, like, I know there's some American fuckers listening out there going, I am really intrigued by this. This sounds hot. But in my personal life, either I'm Catholic or I'm Christian, and I'm still feeling like this is wrong. So what would you say to that person, like curious, but trying to get over the, the mental idea that like, this is somehow wrong, and it's still sacrilegious, even though we're saying it's not? Well, you know, I, uh, and I'll let Ariel speak to this uh, as well, but I still, it still gives me the creeps <laughs> when, when we, every time I teach this workshop, and especially the first workshop, it should happen in the workshop that we were oh, looking at yeah, each other. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. What? It was, it was spooky. Like it would be stuff like we had a crucifix prop just to like talk about and the Jesus flew off of the cross what? during the class. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, it was, you know, it was just like, you know, and like, you know, just random things would like fall or, you know, like something would happen and everyone was so spooked. <laughs> oh my God. It's almost a scene from the exorcist. Like I'm yeah. waiting for, wow. It was, um, Ariel was speaking in tongues, but she just <laughs> good. at least I think it was speaking. I'm not quite sure, but there were tongues involved. <laughs> but uh but it's so to those people i would say it's okay to feel uncomfortable and what's i i think it's because uh, i think that's reminiscent of just the fact that recognize that this is how deep the psychology and the upbringing of of, of a religion that is as 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 deep and old as catholicism because it is christ's first church and a lot of christians forget that and 
tapping into those feelings, it's a very deep emotional and psychological impact. And what I would tell these people is that that's one of the great things about religious play is that it's there's so few things that a lot of people can do in BDSM and in sex that can make them feel weird and creepy and uncomfortable. I mean, you get some I don't care how jaded you are as like a big BDSM bear, but if you can find something like Catholicism that makes them feel weird or makes you feel weird, what you're feeling is tapping into some emotion. And that's really what BDSM and healthy sex is all about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, to tack on to that, I think it's, you know, it's really up to the individual. Not everyone is going to do religious play the same way. So, you know, there's play that you know, Dan might engage in that, you know, I wouldn't engage in. And so you have to like kind of figure out and like explore your boundaries and what you're kind of cool with and what makes you uncomfortable, what is like a little too far for you. Like for me, I can do a lot of the Catholicism stuff because it has no connection to my actual religion. It's just, you know, a costume. It's just a show. It's just a prop. Uh, but if it was something like squirting on the Bible, I couldn't do that because that has actual connections to me. But I, but I can also manifest it in a way that feels spiritual to me and feels respectful. So, like, I did a very intense kink scene where I did a crucifixion. And for some people, they could be like, oh, my gosh, you know, you, you were naked and you were doing these needles and you, you had a butt plug in, you know, and like all this stuff. And that's so sacrilegious. But to me, it was a very spiritual experience that I was experiencing personally uh, the suffering of Christ in a way being flogged and having you know, needles in my head instead of thorns and having uh, like big spinal tap needles through my uh, wrist and my ankles and my side to kind of simulate the nails of, and you know so for me it was really profound mm. and I mean this like amazing experience to you that made me feel closer to Christ and that you know I had this understanding you know or this uh, you know minimal understanding of his suffering um, and so and I did that through a kink scene so you know it not only can you, you use aspects of kink you know, or religious to be kinky, but you can use aspects of kink to be religious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Ariel brings up a great point too, is that it's important to respect the boundaries of of your partner and to make this completely consensual and to be aware of whatever uh, uncomfortable things may cause people to want to safe out of this. Because, uh, you know, I I grew up as a Catholic and I was, um, uh, I'm a, uh, an abuse survivor. And these scenes can bring back some <laughs> emotions, unlike now. Yeah. So, <laughs> but it's important to know the edge that you're going to be walking on and not to go over the point where it makes someone uncomfortable. So it's important to have conversations with the people that you're playing with, because if you have no, uh, if you weren't raised Catholic and you have no, uh, any sort of, uh, of baggage about what it's like and how important this is and, and all the parental, uh, um, 
aspects on top of that you know you could you could be doing some pretty hairy stuff in your scene that that could really make some people extremely uncomfortable mm-hmm. in the same way that uh doing any kind of a scene whether it's involving race play or involving nazi play or you know there are a lot of things that you really need to get the consent of not only your partner right. but the people around you when you're pulling this shit out of your uh, out of your kit bag in a public play space should we ever get those back yeah you know it, it, it's interesting hearing hearing you talk about this and obviously hearing how personally connected you are to this entering into this conversation you know there's the people that may do this in um a nature that would be more sacrilegious and more kind of kitschy. And then there are other folks like y'all who do have real connections to Catholicism and to, um, you know, just the Catholic religion at large, where to me, it's sounding more like in those situations, this is more emotional edge play. I mean, this is connected to not only your life now, but your childhood, your traumas, you know, your beliefs growing up. Would you agree with that statement that this is uh, much more impactful generally for people who are still consider themselves a part of this religion or, or the religion was a big part of their lives growing up? Yeah, I will uh, just briefly say that I completely agree with that because it is much more – as it would be having any sort of play that relates to someone's upbringing. Um, and, but I almost think that sometimes if you go over the top a bit, because you can get very real and, and it can be very moving – and just like Ariel said, sometimes the religious play affects you. It, it affects your, it makes you, it, it, uh, it, it goes back the other way and makes you even more reticent about what's going on. But if you go over the top, so I'm, I'm, I know people that are Catholic as fuck and, uh, and I know my own beliefs in, in growing up. And if you, if you go over the top in a way that is, as Ariel mentioned, you know, using the, uh, really lampooning Catholicism, you know, so I'm, so if you walk in like me, there are certain things about Catholic play that can take me to an emotional headspace, mm-hmm. but there are other, but if you walk in, you go, you know, nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition and you start doing <laughs> interrogation scene, you know, and you're like, Cardinal Fang, read the charges. And you know, you, if you go over the top there and you're being really uh, bombastical, uh, then, then it's fun for everybody. And it can almost be, you know, it can help you take back the night. But on the other hand, uh, if you really go into the deep stuff, like actual, the, <laughs> the right of exorcism. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can really, or if you really explore a lot of the things in the liturgy and particularly in the sacraments uh, and use them for yourself, they can be very powerful. And so you have to be careful. So it's almost easier to go over the top um, because it makes it a little less uh, personal. Mm. And as a Protestant, I totally, I did not understand that for years. I would do fetish performance and I'd show up in this nun outfit at the club and I'd have my big yardstick, you know, or a paddle. And, you know, to me, I was like, this is a sexy costume. I'm a sexy latex nun, like in Marilyn Manson music videos. Yeah. And then sometimes I'd go to the club and people would be like, don't stand next to me. Like, I can't even look at you. You're bringing up like really intense feelings. You're making me feel afraid. And I was just like, 
you know, because to me, I'm, I barely even look like a nun. You know, mm-hmm. I've just got the habit on, you know, but I'm wearing, you know, a little tiny dress and whatever. But to them, it was such a horrific experience for them dealing with nuns that they could not even look at a sexy one and, and be okay. I actually have a real life phobia of nuns, but not like sexy latex nuns, only like the, the sort of the older penguins. When I was a little, when I was a kid, you know, the ones that smell like, like salt and vinegar, potato chips, yeah, sister Mary Jude, I loved her. <laughs> no, we, we, yeah, so totally we had this place different. where the bad yeah. girls went near our house. If you were a bad Catholic girl and you had a baby or there was some reason you got kicked out of the regular Catholic school, they had Villa Maria, and we would trade hand jobs for cigarettes through the fence until the nuns caught us and beat the fuck out of us with like it was awful. That's that's where the 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 actual <laughs> phobia I have comes from. Now I I wanted to ask you guys something though that sort of goes in the other direction, and this is not anything I expect you to be an expert on because it's slightly varied in what we're talking about today. But years ago. I owned a metaphysical bookstore, and there's lots of people that come into metaphysical bookstores, including uh, metaphysical Christians. And there were two groups in particular that came in that I had to deal with that were involved um, with Catholicism in different ways. One was Opus Dei. That was kind of scary. Nothing sexy about Opus Dei. The second, and if you've ever watched um, any of the movies with, uh, um, oh, what is it called? Uh, Angels and Demons or the- Oh, the- uh, um, I'm having a brain Da Vinci right Code. Now. Da Vinci yeah. Code, thank you. Yeah, it's the bad guys in Da Vinci Code. They're realized people are Opus Day. They're like a, an enforcement. They're like the um, uh, the enforcement branch of Catholicism. They didn't really like a pagan bookstore being in the neighborhood. But then we also had Christian sex Gnostics that really were into the gospel of Philip and sexuality. So it wasn't them adopting the Catholicism as a form of sexuality, they actually embraced it as a part of the sexual or a part, a part of the religion itself. Mm-hmm. Are, is that anything that you guys are familiar with, or do you have a comment about that at all? Yeah, that's uh, that's new. But uh, now, now I'm looking over my shoulder at the Opus Dei people. Uh, yeah. Oh, Opus Dei is freaky listen, as hell. They scared the, the hell out of me. <laughs> yeah. But you know, what's interesting is that it, it's it's just amazing how often that the sexuality has been addressed in the. Um, has been addressed by the Pope and, uh, and even acknowledged and, and to the point of the th- uh, Pope John Paul II came up with the, uh, he had his whole theology of the body, which was 129 lectures given by Pope John Paul II. Wait, um, summarize, because I yeah. know nothing about this. Well, he based, so this is in 1979. He gave all these speeches that basically realigned what was realign this the the ideas of uh, a lot of these including sexuality like um uh such things as describing how men and women were in the beginning and men and women after the fall and uh men and women and have, have deals with the resurrection of of the dead this is getting really into the into the weeds here but mm-hmm. he clarified a lot of stuff about about conception and contraception and uh, and what was okay about it, but it for the, it put the focus of Catholics on sex for the first time in 1978 that had never been realized before. And it, it really put the light on sexuality. In yeah. uh, and he would he would grant uh, dispensations to uh, to certain uh, communities uh, that ha- didn't have the means for birth control. Um, and it, or, or or didn't have the means to raise children and would would. <laughs> Grant contraception to them in in uh, 
in a sense. But so that that was one. We don't have there. There have been PhDs earned on this particular topic of the 129 uh, of the of those uh, of those lectures. But um, but uh, so. Uh, but I'm just saying that that Catholics think about this, and this is something that is, um, uh, yeah, it, it is definitely not necessarily pushed in the shadows as much as one would expect. Right. Interesting. So, okay, you, Sonny, didn't your mom sell paraphernalia for Pope? Yeah, John when Paul Pope John II? Paul came to Grant Park, <laughs> and then we we Pope sold so- pictures of the Pope. It was Pope like soap 19- on a rope. Yeah, it was like 1980, and my mom was a street peddler. She sold balloons and, like, different things. And when the Pope was coming, she got a bunch of pictures of the Pope. And I remember I was, like, eight years old or something, and we were going around screaming in Grand Park, pictures of the Pope, pictures of the Pope, selling pictures (laughs) of the Pope. Anyway, um, so, you know, it's interesting bringing up sexuality and and the Pope and and Catholicism because that's that's a huge – uh, you know, guilt point, sticking point, you know, people argue back and forth about what the Bible says about homosexuality or just sexuality in general. And, and you know, it's not a leap to think that people who are doing kink scenes and have access to a St. Andrew's cross are, you know, kind of unconventional in the bedroom. Um, and, and if those people are Christians, may have some... Uh, you know, internal turmoil, like, is what I'm doing okay? How do you think or do you think this kind of play can help people recognize or reconcile their religious sexual guilt in their real lives? I mean, that's something I did a lot of counseling on kind of early uh, in my career, back when people used to ask me for advice, now they just think I'm a dumb bimbo. But <laughs> back, but back in the beginning, you know, I I went by Reverend Ariel. That was like my you know my stage name before my agent told me it was too scary. Oh. And um, you know, and so people would come to me and they'd say, "Hey, you know, I'm into this or I'm into that, and I feel bad about about it because I'm religious, but like I know you're religious, so like, how do you?" deal with it. And I mean, I still have people today who, you know, how do you justify being a Christian and a porn star? And how do you, and, you know, and I'm like, well, I'm not going to justify myself to you, but you know, I was created this way. Mm -hmm. I was, I was into this from the beginning. And if, you know, it was wrong, then, you know, I wouldn't be, I trust in God's wisdom when he made me a kinky person. And, People use kink in healthy ways a lot of times. It's not just destructive. It can be used to get over trauma. Just like people, you know, for example, in Catholicism kink, if they are abuse survivors, that kink can be a way for them to process and deal with their past trauma. Mm -hmm. Just like a lot of kink scenes um, can do that. And so, you know, I, I do a lot of counseling, but I'm also just a presence. I'm out there very publicly religious on the internet to show people like, yeah, you can totally do both of these things. Here's a real life example of someone who's doing both, you know, a sex worker who loves Jesus. Where have we heard that before? Mm -hmm. You know, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) And, but you have to remind people of that sometimes and, you know, be like, actually Jesus was super cool with people like me. He'd probably be hanging out with me instead of the people who are making you feel bad. So, 
you know, I just have to be like, no, you are still so loved, you know, just, you know, this is who you are and Jesus loves you for who you are. So like, you know, you're cool. Let your freak flag fly. Just don't hurt anybody. Yeah. God, just, just hearing you say that, it's like, I know just that alone, what you just said to people listening uh, is everything. I mean, because that's something that people look right over. They think like, I have to have all of this shame because I'm into these. And it's like, no, you just drove it right the hell home. You're absolutely right. And some people want to have that religious connection, and but they feel like they can't. And because they've never had somebody tell them, no, like, if this is what you want, that is okay. And you should be welcomed with open armed uh, with open arms and you will be loved. Some people have just never heard that before because no one is reaching out to people like that. Mm-hmm. But I'm, you know, in those fetish communities and I'm in those sex work communities. And, you know, I'm that presence, you know, like, you know, not to compare myself to Jesus, but like Jesus, who was he reaching out to? The people that, you know, the religious leaders wouldn't talk to. Right. Right. You know, and there and and as Ariel mentioned, there there've been a number of uh, there've been a number of sex workers uh, in uh, in Jesus's circle, and even in the Bible as well. In fact, there are parables or not parables, but stories of of uh, of uh, Rahab. Or I, I can't, even, I don't even know if that's the proper pronunciation of her, but she was a sex worker who, of course, was. Uh, um, Gosh, I'm gonna have to come back to this. My 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 theology is like slipping through my cracks. But the whole point is that the whole parable of that is that here's a sex worker that was able to 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 serve God and and uh, that the faith your faith is more important than your doing good or evil. And mm-hmm. I think that's a good thing and a bad thing about religions like Catholicism is that your faith is more important than whether you're doing good or evil. Because mm. what you're doing that is evil can be forgiven as long as you have faith in God, whoever yeah. that God may be. And that's both comforting and alarming because it's like a, it's a get out of hell pa- free pass. And, uh, <laughs> um, and, uh, it's, it's been a license to kill for yeah. thousands of years. Have I told you about the newest favorite vibrator in my life? It's from my friends at G-Vibe, and it's called the G-Bulb. It's a high-quality silicone, rechargeable, waterproof, six-speed, wait for it, light bulb. You heard me right. It's a vibrator that is shaped like a life-sized, adorable silicone light bulb. Now, you know I'm a pun sexual, and this vibe does not disappoint in the pun department. I can't stop with the light bulb puns. I mean, this vibe is so good, it has made me see the light. Oh, guess what I want to do? Get it what? W-A-T-T? No. Okay. Anyway, you get the idea. I love the G-Bulb. It is lit. (laughs) Okay, really, I'll stop. The puns are great, but what I like most about the G-Bulb is it gives full-size wand vibrators a run for their money at a fraction of the price, too. It turns out that soft, round, silver silicone light bulb is about the same exact size as the head of my favorite wand vibrator. The G-Bulb is like a wand, but without the big clumsy handle. And it's just as powerful too. And also, unlike my wand, I can bring it in the shower with me, maneuver it in all sorts of tight positions, and it's discreet. Who would guess that cute little thing on my bedside table was actually a vibrator? It's also body safe and has a three-year warranty. But guess what I found out? And it's making me a little sad. 
The G-Bulb is a limited edition vibrator. Once this run is sold out, it is gone forever. And you know how badly I want you to see the light, right? So I talked with my friends at G-Vibe and I got you a 20% discount on not only the G-Bulb, but on every single thing at gvibe.com. All you have to do is use the code SUNNY, S-U-N-N-Y, at gvibe.com to get your discount. And every time you use my code, it directly supports this podcast too. So tell your friends, okay? Yeah, that's 20% off every single thing at gvibe.com, including the limited edition, almost gone forever, G-Bulb, when you use the code SUNNY at checkout. Quick, go get the G-Bulb, before you lose your chance, 20% off with the code SUNNY at GVIBE.com. Father's Day is just around the corner, and you probably need a gift for a hairy husband, significant other, father, sugar daddy, or daddy of your choice. Make the dads and daddies in your life proud this year and get them the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming and they just launched their Lawnmower 4.0. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code SUNNY at manscaped.com. Imagine surprising the daddy in your life with a sleek, well-designed, and optimized body hair trimmer that says, your balls will thank you right on the box. Easily the best Father's Day gift ever. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. This upgraded trimmer includes a multifunction on off switch and a travel lock. It also has a 4000 LED spotlight so you can shave your balls in the dark. Oh, and it's waterproof too, so you can shave your balls in the dark and in the shower. And they also have other amazing products like cologne, crop mop ball wipes, crop reviver ball toner, and crop preserver ball deodorant. Also note, Manscaped products are cruelty-free, paraben-free, dye-free, and vegan. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code SUNNY, S-U-N-N-Y, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com with the code SUNNY. Get the daddies in your life a gift you know they will use this Father's Day with Manscaped. But if I can just go back and talk for a minute about, I, I want to kind of speak a little bit more briefly about this whole theology of the body, so I, mm-hmm. I, I didn't step on my tongue a bit. But the, the, the whole intention of it was, it was tr- he was trying to provide uh, examples um, of how the human body reveals God. And basically, you know, talking about the nar- nature of marriage and celibacy and virginity, is, is talking about that the body itself is capable through sex of making what is invisible visible. And it's a way of embracing the spiritual and the divine. And a lot of people forget that what was God's first commandment? In fact, it was so nice he said it twice. Oh, you're taking go me back forth, to this. Yeah. <laughs> go like, oh, forth shit. <laughs> and populate the earth. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. It was basically go have sex. Yeah. And didn't, didn't mention marriage, but basically it just, God wants humans to fuck. Well, ostensibly for the uh, regeneration of the species, if you want to get biological about it or, you know, to, to bring life and, and, and whatnot. But, uh, you know, marriage wasn't mentioned. His two commandments, the very first ones in Genesis, right at the top is like, go forth and populate the earth. Procreate. Bang. And, uh, and then everything else has been added to that. Mm-hmm. So, so there's been, a recognition in in at least the the in Catholicism and even to a much greater extent in um, in Judaism that uh, that Catholics are super sexually repressed, mm-hmm. but the difference the the people that I've known that are least sexually repressed that are that are very religious are are Jewish yeah. because you know. Orga- giving you the woman for an, uh, an, an example, and um, don't let me speak about anyone's faith here, but you know, giving the woman an orgasm is a mitzvah. You yeah, know, it's, it is. A, it's so you know that's very. It's a very sex positive um, religion versus Catholicism, which is all about Catholicism's view on. So is not is that se- everyone, everyone agrees that sex is powerful, sex is wonderful, and but rather than being a mitzvah and, and being a, 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 a celebrated as a, as a sacrament, it's so powerful that Catholics feel you have to repress it because it's so strong, it's so powerful, mm-hmm. and that's um, and that I think is what was behind a lot of the um, a lot of that psychological burden of Catholicism, and to finally answer your question about that guilt people have about this is, you know, that's one of the things why people like to get tied up and fucked is because for two, one reason is that if someone ties you up and fucks you, 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 it takes away that impulse to have the norm of reciprocity. It takes away that, that instinct that you have to immediately, like, that's why 69 is a garbage position for most people. Because <laughs> if you're spending your time focused on, oh, I'm gonna, I've got to please this person, then you, you aren't necessarily into your own experience. But if someone ties you up, you can enjoy that. And even better is that when someone ties you up and fucks you, then it absolves you of that responsibility of the guilt of having participated in that willingly. And yeah. so that's one reason why a lot of people are really into BDSM is because it has that, it gives you the verisimilitude of non-consensuality uh, to the point where you can kind of give yourself psychologically a pass for for having to feel guilty about engaging in it. Right. Yeah, because you didn't, you know, finger quotes, choose it. It was forced upon you, finger quotes. Yeah, consensually, of course. You know, yeah. you know what's interesting? The the Gnostics um, in that book of Philip, like when you take a look at early Judaism and early Christianity before it became like the, the modern version of Roman Catholicism, um, and you take a look at some of the books that were in the Apocrypha, which is the books that are kind of left out of the Bible, like the, mm-hmm. the things that they didn't like want to Lilith include at that and, time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, like Lilith, but it's the, the Gospel of Philip is the one that has most of the sexuality in it. And at that point, it was almost, it, it approached um, Christianity as not a monotheistic religion, but as a duotheistic religion, giving more empowerment uh, as to Mary Magdalene as a full female sort of god. So there was like an elevation there. So they they kept elements of that. Um, and it was interesting that you mentioned the Jewish thing because the um, a lot of that all descends from one 13th century um, 
like essay by Rabbi Moses Ben Naman uh, called "Letter on Holiness: The Secret of Sexual Relations." Uh, and basically, you know, they they say treat sex act as belonging to the v- divine realm, and it's not just something that you're doing for procreation; it's something that you do enjoy. to and, to enjoy yeah. and mm-hmm. be a better person. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot of sex in the Bible. I mean, Catholicism itself. A lot of people have called it an S and M cult, masquerading as a religion. <laughs> you know, as, I would agree. I yeah, would agree. Yeah. Jim Jim uh, Jim Goad called it. Uh, it's the world's longest running fetish party. Yeah. And uh, oh, Jim Goad, I love and hate Jim Goad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it is a it, it is a very sexy religion, and that's why a lot of people have taken the trappings for it. And um, you know, there are. Uh, there are so many things in it, not just in the, I, you've seen it used by everyone from Lady Gaga to Madonna yeah. uh-huh. and, uh, uh, and, uh, and other media representations of it. It's very, it's very sexy. Even in the Matrix, you know, the, the clothing design for it was like of a long Catholic frock. Uh, oh, yeah. That, that, and, uh, you know, these are all very powerful, reminiscent things. And, you know, there's a reason why Catholic school skirts are, are very popular. It's not just because Ariel looks phenomenal in them (laughs) but uh you know but there's a lot of sexy stories in the bible and even the ecstasy of saint Teresa, and it's it's uh she's the one who was uh saw she she was from the 15th century in spain and she saw it and she said i saw an angel near me on the left side in bodily form i saw his hands in his hands, a long golden spear, and at the point of iron, there seemed to be a little fire. This, I thought, he thrust several times into my body, and it penetrated into my entrails. When he drew out the spear, he seemed to be drawing them out with it, leaving me all on fire with a wondrous love for God. The pain... The pain. This same, is she's quoted. Same girl. Same. <laughs> the, the if that pain, isn't a passage of erotica, I don't know what is. Yeah. But listen, <laughs> she, she concludes by saying the pain was so great that it caused me to utter several moans, and yet so exceedingly sweet is this greatest of pains that it is impossible to desire to be rid of it. <laughs> wow. It sounds like some hell. She just met the Cenobites. I think is what happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's some powerful stuff. And if you want some, and I, the, in our class we talk about pervertible Bible verses, but you know, there's a there's a lot in there. I mean, King, the, like, uh, uh, you know, there's a there are a lot of the 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 um, uh, let's see, blow on my garden that its fragrance may spread abroad. Let my lover come into his garden and choose his choice fruits. Uh, you know the song of the the song of song is uh, Solomon's is the um, it, it, that's the the porno of the Bible. It's got phrases in there like my beloved put his hand by the hole of the door and my bowels were moved for him. <laughs> and, uh, same girl, same. <laughs> may this is in Proverbs five nineteen. May her breasts satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. Wow, that's my favorite toast at weddings. And um, <laughs> and uh, and if you want kinky stuff, I mean, just talk about uh, Genesis nineteen and uh, 
you know, the whole um, uh, Lot's daughters. You know that story? Basically, oh, yeah. Yeah. basically, basically uh, you know, Lot's wife tr- turned to pillar of salt. This is like the the speedy version of it. And his uh, his his daughters were going to talking to each other. Go, you know, we don't have any kids, we don't have any children. And uh, so, what we should do is we get our father drunk, and then sleep with him and have him get us pregnant, which they did. And uh, uh, and yeah, I think I've seen that browser scene. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right? <laughs> But you know, and did, did except God except for they had to change it to the stepbrother, step right? Exactly, <laughs> step, exactly. Not, <laughs> not, not daughter, not Lot's daughters. That should yes. be our next. That should be our next. X, X, yeah. X, that's X. my DVD. That's my new DVD coming up. <laughs> yeah, but did God punish them? Absolutely not. And um, yeah, Ooh. so uh, so it, so so yeah, so uh, eating eating shellfish bad, you know. Getting your dad to knock you up, you and your sister up, that's a ticket to heaven. So you figure it out. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, okay, there's some inspiration right fucking there. Um, so for, for those, you know, let's go back to that that fictitious listener that's like, okay, I'm curious, but I don't, I don't know where to go with this. Um, how can we actually use pieces of Catholicism, whether it's the sacraments or some of the imagery or some uh, other things in a role play to actually set up scenes. Yeah, well, it's it's perfect for BDSM because of the fact that it's been this has been a ritual that's been perfected for thousands of years and has a whole lot of great costumes and words already associated with it. Mm-hmm. Well, one- and you know, I think a lot of people end up doing it without thinking about it because what do you see first thing you see when you walk in the dungeon? St. Andrew's cross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. Bam, you're already doing religious yeah. play. And do you know who St. Andrew's was? A lot of people don't know who St. Andrew was well, on the please tell us the story. Tell us the story. Well, there are several crosses. I mean, there's a Latin cross, which is the crux uh, emissa, which is the you know, which is the the one that we see or typically see in uh, you know crucifixes, that sort of thing. Then there's the Saint Peter's cross, um, which is upside down. A lot of people think that a lot of people think that an upside down cross is sacrilegious. Well, mm-hmm. no, it's on the throne of the Pope. Um, and it's right there on the throne, and it's on and and on the mitre. Like the upside down cross is the symbol of Saint Peter, because Saint Peter believed that he was not worthy to be crucified in the same manner that Jesus was, and so he wanted to be crucified upside down, and so that's in honor of that. Then the the the, the Saint Anthony's cross, um, which is just a T, and uh, then there's a stake one, but the Saint Andrew's cross. Is, uh, was all, St. Andrew also did not f- feel that he was worthy to be crucified in the same way that Christ was. And so they crucified him on an X and which is called the, uh, the, the saltier. Um, and he, when he died, his last, <laughs> his last words on the cross were, O cross, O cross, most welcome and long anticipated. I come to you with a willing mind, with joy and desire. And I make my submissive say that when I put them on the cross, because oh. it adds significance to the fact of what you're doing. And I think if you realize that, you know, this cross, a lot of people think, oh, well, that's just something, you know, to hold my hands up now. But if you, if you put the relevance to it behind it, that you are strapping them onto an execution device. Yeah. It would it would be as if like if if Jesus were execute if Jesus were uh, around 
in in the the last century at all. Catholic schoolgirls would be running around with little electric chairs around their necks. Mm-hmm. So it's the same sort of thing. <laughs> and I can't remember who I stole that joke from, but uh, but it's <laughs> it's significant to remember that that this is an executionary device, and to uh, to to acknowledge its power when you're put on it. Ooh, yeah. I never really thought that deeply about it. Like, I mean, I knew the religious connection. And also, it is very functional. I mean, it puts the hands and feet exactly where they need to be. Um, But yeah, that's a whole nother layer of meaning and things to play with. Yeah, archaeologists actually believe that it was the St. Andrew's Cross, the X that was most likely what Jesus was crucified on. Because it's very difficult to put the Latin cross in the ground and support it. I mean, it's, it's, there's, it's, it's pretty much the most difficult way to crucify somebody. And, you know, crucifixions, they were doing those like a dozen an hour. I mean, it was like the, the hillsides were, were full of it going on. And, um, so, you know, the, the, it, it adds even more weight to the cross. What else can we use for those who are are really like looking for ideas? Like I think of some of the sacraments, like like you said before, Kent, the body and blood of Christ, right there. Like, is it my semen? Is, are we doing needle play? Like, what's going on? I don't- <laughs> and you know what? I would actually like to know a little bit more about what objects, like a Saint Andrew's cross, we can bring into it because Catholicism has a plethora of weird torture oh. devices. Floggers, uh- floggers, easy as that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, self-flagellation. That went right, right, hair shirts, uh, and even the rosary itself. So the seven sacraments. Those are, for those uh, two of you listening who who aren't Catholic, um, <laughs> and uh, staring at your your uh, your computer angrily. Um, the, so sacraments are rituals. They're they're rituals, and basically a sacrament is it means it's an outward sign to give grace. It's a ceremony that sanctifies a special occasion to help one experience the presence of the Lord. And if you happen to be that Lord, you can use these same sacraments for to celebrate yourself and give yourself significance. And because they're meant to to augment your worship and create an atmosphere of reverence as they reflect on your deepest beliefs. And that's a very powerful thing to use in a, in a kink scene. Mm-hmm. And the seven sacraments are baptism, confirmation, confession, the Eucharist, uh, which, the, which we mentioned before, mm-hmm. matrimony, holy orders, which very few people, uh, unless you're ordained, get to experience. And then finally, extreme unction or last rites. And so if you use your imagination, but more so not your imagination, but actually going to the ritual itself, you can, you can use these as scripts for things to do. Like the, for example, confession. I mean, that's yeah. a powerful thing, you know, because you're admitting what you did wrong and it involves acts or vows of contrition, vows, not vows, um, <laughs> v- vows of contrition where you, you know, you're sorry. So you have to do something to compensate for that. So you have to ask for forgiveness. You have to serve penance and then uh, you, have the rejoicing in absolution. And those are all great things you can do in a BDSM scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are all things that we tend to do a lot anyway. I mean, I think of any any scene that I'm doing, you know, with uh, a submissive where it's like, 
okay, tell me what kind of porn you watch today. And they're all embarrassed this week. You know, they're all embarrassed. They have to confess. And then, you know, I I humiliate them for it or, you know, make them do. Yeah, we, we've just played that out. I actually without watched realizing. latex religious play porn today. Huh? I watched latex religious play porn Did today. You and me both. Ten Hail Marys. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> But I went around the world. I did like some of the latex Mormon underwear. Uh, somebody had oh, yeah. um, a latex uh, hijab. We had somebody else who uh, there was like uh, full on like uh, Catholic stuff. But yeah, it was an interesting day today. It's <laughs> great. The world of masturbation. So I'm thinking about um, like impact scenes that we could do with this. Now I'm thinking about trying to stone somebody, but not to death. We've done that with gummy bears to littles. I mean, it's sort of the same thing, I guess. Yeah, yeah. whipping gummy bears, <laughs> but without the without the slingshot. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, unless we're David and Goliath cosplay. Right. Yeah, nothing's nothing's <laughs> off the table. Do it. Yeah, make them make them eat it until it's time for the good old Catholic Roman showers on someone else's. Uh, <laughs> if you, if you that. Hey, it's all, your only limit is your imagination. But you know, the Eucharist is another sacrament, and that's basically right. the. Um, the the reenactment of the sacrificial meal and the the difference what makes catholicism special and the reason why it's different from even um the uh, other other versions of um of of religions that actually still use the host is that they believe in the they actually believe in the transubstantiation of the host into the literal body and blood of christ right. that is the um like catholics we all know that we if, if we're ever in a town that doesn't have a catholic church we can go to an episcopal church because it's like catholic light uh because the only difference is that they believe that the transubstantiation isn't actually symbolic but in catholicism the entire the entire mass was built around the tr- the transubstantiation of the host that is the only thing that is crucial to the mass everything else has been built up around it and can be altered and taken away mm. and uh if you want to go into other sacraments matrimony that's pretty obvious you know um love is a sacrament that should be taken kneeling uh to quote oscar wilde and uh <laughs> the uh but um uh, extreme unction and last rites, that's a powerful thing. But, you know, there's other things such as uh, the confirmation and uh, where you're asked to confirm um, that you have, it's basically, it's a, it's a, a ritual demonstrating maturity because you go through this as a Catholic when you're a teenager. So you're old enough to be, uh, to, to know better and to be able to, to commit. You weren't just, you didn't just sign on the, uh, on the license agreement and then close the tab, um, that your parents gave you. It's basically, you know, you're sure you want to do this. Um, and it basically, it's a ritual that demonstrates maturity, coming of age, and commitment. It requires a dedicated study and usually the taking of a new special name. And it's administered by laying on hands and anointing with uh, chrism, which is a, a, an oil. And it's accompanied by prayer. And finally, when you confirmed, you're slapped on the face by the bishop. Uh, as a symbolic gesture to remind you that <laughs> you, you have seriously to, what yes that you have to endure suffering for your faith and be willing to accept adult responsibilities and if necessary suffer and die 
for the faith. Yeah, literally, life is pain. Yeah. There you go. Good, good job. You're confirmed. Yeah. Anyone exactly. who tells you anything else is trying to sell you something. That's right. <laughs> but, you know, if you if you go to the rites and, and if you look at what, the, what words are used, you can use these same things as a script for any sort of a conference. Like if you're like a collaring ceremony is perfect for confirmation because right. you, you get a new special name. You have to do study. There's laying out of hands and what other body appendages you may have handy. Um, and uh, so there's a lot to, a lot to it. Everyone needs an escape. But those can be hard to come by right now. Enter Dipsy. Let yourself get lost in a world where good things happen and where your pleasure is the only priority. Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories designed to turn you on. Each Dipsy audio story features characters that feel like real people and immersive scenarios so you feel like you're right there. Listen to stories about hooking up with your hometown crush that you never made a move on, or that coworker that you always had a little thing for, or maybe a story that puts you in bed with someone who's telling you exactly what they'd like to do to you. They release new content every week, so there's always more to explore, no matter who you're into or what turns you on. And if you need to wind down, Dipsy also has wellness sessions, sensual bedtime stories, and soundscapes to help you relax before you drift off. For listeners of American Sex Podcasts, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash sunny, S-U-N-N-Y. That's 30 days of full access free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash sunny. That's dipsystories.com slash sunny. Are you in a couple and looking to find that third? Or maybe you're single, searching for a dating app that actually encourages you to embrace your sexual side? Well, then you need to check out Field. Field is the alternative dating app for couples and singles. The app was originally designed for people seeking threesomes, and it's the biggest dating app for threesomes today. You can actually date with your partner. Field has a built-in community for awesome, ethical, and honest people seeking to connect and explore their desires. The app is inclusive to all, no matter your gender or orientation. When you join, you can choose to identify as over 20 genders and sexualities. The New York Times wrote that Field's options, quote, put the Kinsey scale to shame. Field values sex positivity and encourages you to share your desires and interests directly on your profile, you know, so that people know exactly what you're into. Choose from a wide array of desires, from cuddling and long kisses to BDSM and Shabari. With radical open-mindedness designed into the app, you can share about your sexuality no matter how traditional or kinky you may be. 
Nonconformity and shame-free individuality is what Field is all about. And here's some great news. You can download the Field app for free and support our show by using the link in this episode's description. Just click the link in our episode description to get the Field app for free today. This is so much more than I imagined, like just going through it. And because like, I'm so unfamiliar with Catholicism that like, I pretty much just know altar boy and priest. And that's, yeah, you know, that, that was a scene that I seen where they were doing like Little's play. Yeah. Write your own prayers, like the rosary. The rosary yeah. is not a necklace. It's a, it's basically, it's a counting device for counting your prayers and it focuses your thoughts. And it's basically a, a method of self-hypnotism. And what you can do is you can create prayers where you, uh, where you have them memorize these little prayers to you or about you because they're short, you know, the, um, uh, cause the, most of the prayers are the, uh, are the glory bees and the, and the, and the, and, and the Hail Marys. You've got the Hail Mary, you've got the Our Fathers and the, the Ten Hail Marys and the glory bee. And if you just replace those with something else that you've written about yourself, it's very hypnotic. And if you had this counting device where you make someone, you know, go on this own rosary that you made together. It's great. And the, the rosary itself, it's really dark. On two days a week, there's an actual mystery of the rosary that you have to contemplate. And that is where you, at every pause between the string of Hail Marys, you have to contemplate on two days a week, the agony of Jesus in the garden, the scourging at the pillar, Jesus being crowned with thorns, Jesus being carried to the cross, and then finally the crucifixion and death of the Lord. That's all very dark stuff to think about, mm. about, uh, about that suffering. And so it just gives you an idea of the power of what even something that seems as just a piece of jewelry can be. Wow. Yeah. So with props, I mean, I know we can obviously uh, use as pervertibles, you know, anything that we have, we can repurpose. But are there, I don't know if it would be, you know, sex companies or even like religious companies where we can either buy uh, religious items made for kink or maybe get very I'm looking specific. at one right now directly behind I, well, you. The I, Saint, so we have a, a dildo that's a St. Peter where it's like actual St. Peter in front and then you turn it around and it's a dick yeah, like when it yeah. goes the other direction. Peter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I get it. But yeah, are these readily available? Items like this that people can get. Ariel, tossing it to you. I don't really know because I just play with stuff that in the flesh regular <laughs> stuff. Uh, so, you know, Dan is a little more like creative with stuff like using capsaicin as holy water, which I thought was the most <gasps> oh. clever thing I'd ever heard oh of. Oh my goodness. It burns. It burns. It burns. Only if they're um, evil. It only burns if they're evil. Right. They only drown <laughs> if they're if they're innocent. But you know, I've seen like a religious play items more like what you're talking about, where it's like there there's a butt plug, but it's got like a rosary on the end of it, or they made these like crucifix dildos and baby Jesus butt plugs that were real popular a couple years ago. So I've seen stuff like that, but to me, that's like a little over my line i don't right. know if i could like play with something like that um yeah I j but you know for me i just use the regular stuff i use a cross i use 
I have a crown of thorns. I uh, have floggers, your cat of nine tails, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I, I guess I'm a little more traditional with it. Yeah. And those are things, again, if you're using those sort of toys, because that's a very, uh, not to make a pun, that's a very deep um, thing to use if you're using, uh, uh, if you're counter countermanding and, and using religious uh, artifacts for uh, for for dildos and butt plugs and that sort of thing. You make sure you check with your partner that that that's within their boundaries that you can do yeah. that because it can because it could be uh, you know disturbing for a lot of people. Right. You know, and and that is another one of my thoughts is when you're negotiating this kind of play with somebody, whether you're both have a religious background, maybe one of you do, etc. Are there certain special steps or what are the certain special steps we should take in negotiating? What are maybe some of the specific questions we should ask or even some of the considerations we should have in aftercare or, you know, to do if things might possibly be triggering? Because this is a kind of play, you know, that's not like all the other play and shit could come up that people don't plan on. So what, what advice would you give along those lines? Yeah. Well, the first thing is to find out what people's feelings are about this play. And if they have any, ask them if they have any uncomfortable experience with, uh, with their religion or with this type of play and have them talk about that in a way that you know that, um, you're, you're aware that they can, you can avoid because we're not all, you know, we may think, oh, well, religious plays are going to take back the night. Uh, Danorama said this is therapy. We're not all no therapists. It can cause some lasting damage if you really, uh, uh, hurt someone like this by, you know, talk about their, any sort of trauma that they may have and things that they definitely don't want to do. And don't surprise people with stuff. You don't want to negotiate mid scene. Um, you don't want to say, oh, well, can I stick this baby Jesus butt plug in you? Uh, they, you know, that's not the time. If you're doing a good religious scene, people are already in a headspace. And so mm-hmm. you want to make sure that you talk about anything that is super, uh, intrusional like that or, or the, I mean, you, you've got a good instincts as to what may be over the top. Like, um, just make sure that you kind of explain what it is that you're, you were doing. And if you can't get to that point, then in the scene, just make sure that you, before you step something up, make sure that you confirm because they may have been, they may have been okay at the beginning with you fucking them with a, with a, uh, with a, a crucifix dildo. But now that they're getting emotional in the scene, they may not want to do that. It's like any mm-hmm. kind of sex. So always check in before you're going to up the level of doing something that is, uh, is significant like that. Um, and, and by doing that, you tell, and it's, it's good dirty talk too, by telling them what you're going to do. So rather than just like fist, you know, putting on a nun's habit and fisting them, you know, you tell them what you're about, to, you tell them what you're about to do. It's like, your ass looks so amazing, but you know what would make it look even more appropriate for this thing is if you had, you know, the, if you had a, um, the image of, uh, if you had the image of Jesus, filling this void inside of you. And then you, so you basically talk about what it is that you want to do and give them a chance to squick out of it Mm -hmm. and, and, and be aware and let them know that they can say no, that is important that they do because you don't want to. uh, And I, I like, I like the process for consent 
ongoing of continually asking for a yes. Because the trouble with safe words is that people are waiting for this big no where, okay, well, he hasn't crossed my boundary yet. And, uh, well, I guess it's okay. And I want to please my partner. Uh, and, oh, well, she, I, you know, she, 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 we didn't talk about this, but she's starting to go there. I don't want to disappoint her. You know, that waiting for a safe word leads to a lot of consent violations accidentally because mm-hmm. people are waiting for each other to, to wait for the big no. But instead, if you confirm what you're about to do and make them say is that, and make them confirm that, yes, father, stick that, uh, stick that dildo into this unholy hole. Um, then you, you, that reinforces the consent. It creates this in the moment. It confirms that and it gives you something to talk about in the scene and it makes it much more exciting than simply silently making, you know, figure eights on someone's ass with a, with a uh, cat of nine tails. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. Now, Ariel, I know like, you know, talking to you, you have clear boundaries and certain things that you incorporate in your religious play and certain things that you don't incorporate in your religious play. So have you found any additional, um, I don't know, negotiation techniques or pitfalls in, in negotiating your religious play that you would add? Um, no, not really. Because I just, I'm one of those big talkers. I, I make sure I talk stuff out ahead of time and I'm very, now that I know my boundaries, I'm very firm with my boundaries. There's stuff that I've done, you know, during like a fetish performance that afterwards I was kind of like, ah, like I shouldn't have done that. (laughs) That makes me feel weird. Like I, I remember one time I was doing like a nun crucifix or not crucifixion, a nun uh, exorcism thing. And I, you know, I had this big like plastic cross that somebody handed to me and so i like smacked her in the pussy and then afterwards i was like ah like that Uh made me feel weird but i didn't know until i did it but you know in the moment i was like you know what would be super hot is if i did this thing and you know and then i made myself uncomfortable so i think usually it's stuff like that where i end up just making myself uncomfortable Mm -hmm. um but no i'm i'm pretty firm in everything now and i you know, I just give everything within the context of if you think it's blasphemous, I'm probably not going to want to do it. And I mean, that honestly limits me uh, with religious play because sometimes people don't want to play with me because they want it to be so yeah extreme and sacrilegious because that's what's sexy to them because they hate the religion. Right. And, you know, they hate Christians, they hate Christianity. And I mean, it's so funny because after we started advertising this class that we're teaching, I, all these Satanists started following me on Twitter (laughs) and I was like, I was like, oh, like, you're going to be so disappointed, you know? And cause people really think like the Reverend Ariel thing, they think it's like something I'm doing ironically, all of my religious tattoos, they think they're, those are ironic. And I'm like... I'm like, no, I don't have that much commitment to get a giant portrait of Mary tattooed on my leg, ironically. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow. This has been just so eye-opening for me. And I'm sure, you know, everyone listening along as well. Now, Dan, you were on a few weeks ago. And at that point, I did let our listeners know about the... um uh, Catholicism and kink class y'all were teaching 
for Wicked Grounds, which has now passed by the time this is aired. So those of you who aren't regular American sex fans, you should have been paying attention a few weeks ago because you missed it. Um, but in the future, I'm sure this isn't the last time. In the future, where can they follow along for both of you to find out when you're teaching this again, when some of the other cool stuff you've got going on is happening? Well, uh, Rev and I have our Twitter addresses, which are always useful for following. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, Errol, you want to bust yours out? Yeah, so my social media is pretty much always at Rev Ariel, R-E-V-A-R-I-E-L-L-E. But I post mostly to Twitter because that's the only place where I'm allowed to be naked. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, I am also on Twitter, but it's Danorama SF. And uh, you also make sure you, it's Danorama with all A's, like Bananarama, but uh-huh. add the SF because there's some poor photographer who <laughs> – Oh. Who got the uh, the the name Danorama, and so they're constantly getting mentions with my porn in them, and uh, I'm sure it's very uncomfortable. <laughs> but yeah, Danorama. Or but, maybe it's the bright spot in their days. Yeah, you never maybe. know. <laughs> I also I also have a website called creativebdsm.com. And so if you go to creativebdsm.com, I always have the uh, uh, the workshops listed and uh, you can even join my mailing list and that's probably an easy way to get a hold of it. But it's, just, it's a surprisingly um, uh, popular topic because there's a lot we discuss, including exorcisms mm. and um, and other implements of, uh, of, of, of the religion that are a little bit on the edgy side that you can convert yourself and pervert them. And uh, it's... Um, that's, uh, yeah, that, and, um, I don't know if I want to plug my band name, but do uh, it. absolutely Pl- you do. Plug so- all the things, the buttholes, the bands, right, exactly. I'm for so- plugging everything, man. Right. Go for it. So anyway, so you can also <laughs> check out me. I'm also, I'm also in a couple of European bands and, and the, 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 I invite you to check out, uh, you can, you can find them on my, on my Twitter as well. And also on my website, but, uh, I'm in the band Harm Joy. That's the English translation of the term Schadenfreude. So, uh, so harm joy. And, uh, so harmjoy.com and you can see, uh, check out our music videos and listen to music and, uh, um, and, uh, bye, bye, bye. And, um, or more so enjoy, enjoy. I haven't seen a dime from it, but, uh, but it's nice to, uh, um, but it's just nice to get that creativity out there. So, yeah. and pay for the app, pay for the printing of the album. Uh, we're old men, so we published CDs. <laughs> <laughs> what about the A track? I'm waiting for my A track. Yeah. You know. <laughs> oh my goodness, this has been fucking amazing. Uh, and yeah, I have a lot to to think about. Even though I'm, I don't consider myself a fa- very religious person, nor did I grow up a very religious person. But now I'm like, huh. Oh, I converted you. Yes. Well, I don't know. I don't know. You know. <laughs> My grandma Baby would be steps. so proud of me. My grandma would be so proud. Uh, well, I'll, I will definitely be going back to my my Catholic high school uh, days and revisiting. She went to Saint Scholastica. I did. I did. <laughs> that sounds fake. It's like, real. Well, you know, all the it's all where the Scholastic bookstore came from. Totally. All of the neighborhood people would make fun of us because it was an all girls school, and so they called it Saint Scholesbian. They're like, you go to Saint Scholesbian. <laughs> 
so yeah, that's uh, came up kinky at Saints Lesbian. Anyway, um, thank you. This has been thank great. You both so and much. until next time, uh, peace be with you. And also with you. And also with you. That's not what they say anymore. No. That's not what they say they, anymore. So they switched it to confuse you. They did? What, when? What, what is it now? It's and also with your spirit. What? What? Oh, dear. And also with you. Yeah. They ju- they like changed it like not even that long ago, and everyone was like super upset about it because they were like, "No, that's the thing we always said." And John Mulaney makes a great joke about it, how, how he's like, the Catholic Church was like, "Yeah, this is the thing we should change." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a uh, yeah, and also with so basically he's like, "Don't <laughs> no no peace be with you." Fuck you, but your spirit, I respect your spirit. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I kind of feel like this is like the new Coke of Catholicism. It won't last <laughs> long. <laughs> the reason the reason they change this shit around, by the way, is that's why they change the uh, that's why they change the creed, that's why the 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 um the actrician and all these things. They have to keep switching stuff up because you start saying things by rote and so it loses significance. And so <sighs> Uh, and so they have to, so they, they have to make people relearn it so they know what it means again. So uh, that's why they're doing it. It's, it's a mind control, baby. Yeah, it Ooh. is. It is. Anyway, well, peace be with your spirit. Thank you both. And also with you. <laughs> Go forth in peace. <laughs> Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to American Sex. To keep up with Ken and I, we'll first make sure you watch our TV show, Sex with Sunny Megatron, on Showtime. Then visit SunnyMegatron.com. There you can learn more about us, read our blog, peruse our workshop calendar, or hire us. For what? Well, either for private coaching, or to book us to teach at your event or university, or as sex and relationship writers for your publication. Oh, and don't forget, we're on social media, too. I'm the super social one, so you can find me as Sunny Megatron on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my YouTube channel, and a bunch of other places. But if you want to get me on Snapchat, you got to look for Sunny underscore Megatron, and you can follow Ken on Twitter at at tag SciChicken. That's P-S-Y-C-H-I-C-K-E-N. Also, please support us by shopping with the affiliates and sponsors from our breaks. And if you contribute to our Patreon, we're going to love you forever. Well, we're going to love you forever anyway, but just go with it. Lastly, if you like this broadcast, tell people about it. Tweet it, Facebook status it, and rate it on iTunes and other platforms. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next week on American Sex.